IB Talk, the global insurance industry podcast presented by Insurance Business. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of IB Talk, the insurance industry podcast brought to you by Insurance Business. My name is Mia Wallace, Senior News Editor at Insurance Business UK, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Shola Kay, a multi-award winning speaker specialising in empathetic communication and leadership. Many thanks for joining me here today, Shola. Hi Mia, thanks for having me today, really pleased to be here. Absolutely my pleasure. And for those listening who didn't have the pleasure of hearing your keynote speech on self-leadership and culture at IB's latest Women in Insurance conference, can you tell us a, a little bit about who you are and what you do in the markets? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a, a speaker and I run leadership training regarding empathy in the workplace, diversity, equity and inclusion, and also inclusive leadership. And uh, I'm seeing such a a demand at the moment as companies are looking to really sort of refresh the way that their leaders operate. And all of these areas, empathy, inclusive leadership, DEI, they all lend themselves to that and to creating a culture that is one of, uh, we talk about a culture of transformation rather than a transactional culture. And so for me, it's very much around helping companies and organizations to, 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 change their cultures to be more people-centric. Fantastic. And that's certainly a very timely question as well. And I know that the question of empathy and empathetic leadership and communication is a really important foundation of the work that you do. But how did you get started on your empathy at work journey? It's interesting because I work with a lot of different industries now, but my very first corporate role was working uh, in the insurance industry. So I was working as a consultant, uh, mainly sort of IT and management consulting. And it was in the United States. And our client was Prudential Insurance Company of America. And uh, I really enjoyed working with them. That was my first uh, sort of proper corporate role. And what happened was when I switched to my next project, I was going from more of a sort of management project to having to learn to code. And I'd never done any coding at all. And I found that my employer, in particular, my line manager was very unsympathetic. And um, what happened was without him telling me, one day I got summoned to the managing director of the entire company, a consulting company, summoned to his office. And I thought, oh, maybe they're going to give me some some training or maybe they'll give me a mentor. And they told me they were putting me on probation. And if I didn't turn things around, I think in, in a month or so, then I'd have to leave the company. <laughs> and um, at the time I was on, I was working in the States. I'm from the UK, as you can probably hear. Um, so I was on a visa. And if I'd lost my job, I would have had to leave the entire country. So it, it was a time of some pressure and um, concern. So luckily for me, with the help of a colleague, I, I managed to turn things around. We, I stayed on for a number of years. But this situation that I was in and then also other things I've seen in the workplace led me to really be interested in why um, some leaders, some managers, some cultures in general just are, are very unempathetic. And so I, I did a, t- a TEDx talk on this a couple of years ago. And that was kind of the foundation of a lot of the work that I'm doing today. That's absolutely incredible. And since you got started, have you seen conversations around empathy begin to change and begin to accelerate? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really 
quite amazing that I have a Google alert set up for articles in the business press on empathy in the workplace. And literally every single day, like even Saturdays and Sundays, <laughs> there are articles that are coming out in a lot of the uh, sort of very, very well-known and, and often prestigious business press talking about how empathy is the most important leadership skill of the moment or uh, how to make your work culture more empathetic or even sort of breaking down and giving organizations advice on uh, how to, to train staff or sort of how to define empathy in such a way that it's practical and and it, in, and it helps organizations to move forward. So um, I definitely feel that there's a, a huge focus. And of course, uh, COVID has exacerbated that, I guess. It's, it's sort of hastened it because of the, 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 the many issues that we've been facing. So we've looked at, um, we've been seeing so many people leaving the workplace. So attrition um, or sort of turnover issues, as well as individuals who are feeling burned out because perhaps they themselves have been ill or they've had to cope with grief or they are finding that they've got increased childcare responsibilities or caring for adults in the family. And, um, you know, obviously that's not all of it, but just a couple of examples there. So I, I feel as though COVID has very much forced workplaces to become more empathetic and just heightened these issues. And I think we perhaps would have got there at some point uh, in, in the sort of pre-COVID era, but it, it's really hastened things in this direction towards workplaces that are more compassionate, that are putting people first and looking to create environments where people feel that they belong and so that their feelings of burnout are reduced and they are feeling more loyal towards their organisation and sort of willing to, to, to work through these issues so that they can stay. No, I find that absolutely fascinating that you mentioned that COVID has forced workplaces to become a little bit more empathetic and a little bit more compassionate. And I suppose the question for a lot of people is whether or not businesses were going to go that way eventually, whether business leaders were eventually going to key into the role that empathy plays in effective leadership. And do you think COVID has actually prompted conversations that might not have happened otherwise, or would this eventually have taken place regardless? Yeah, I, I do think that it, it would have taken place, but I think in the same way that we look at hybrid working and the, the number of people who are now working virtually, perhaps a few years ago, we'd have said, well, the future of work is towards hybrid, um, but we wouldn't have realised that it would have happened so, so, so quickly. And in the same way, I, th I think a lot of um, people that come to me and ask about leadership training and um, helping their workplaces become more transformational a lot of it is it has been spurred on because of COVID and they're, they're saying, well, we need to modernise our workplaces and we need to do it now. So before we thought we could have done this in perhaps a time frame of you know, five, 10 years from now. Now we're realising we need to do this immediately. And um, so, so, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting challenge that a lot of organisations are facing because not only do they have to deal with what's going on in terms of hybrid working, but also, uh, as we talked about, attrition, uh, also health issues, mental health, burnout. There's there's just a lot happening all at once. No, there certainly is. And 
It's, it's really interesting, but given your role in supporting leaders in building a workplace underpinned by empathy, are there any common challenges that you see come up again and again when they're looking to do so? There are quite a few common challenges that I, I see amongst the organisations that come to me. And one of them is around uh, leadership and whether their leaders are able to be empathetic. And what was rewarded in the past was more of that sort of transactional uh, command and control style of leadership. And so it's actually quite tough for some individuals to become more empathetic. Empathy is a skill. It is something that can be learned, but it, it takes time and it takes training or opportunities like listening sessions um, or even being exposed more to uh, team members during events like um, it could be things like a conversation where you're teaming up leaders with uh, their team members and putting them in a, a situation that's more informal so that they have uh, more relaxed chats about what's going on for each of those individuals. Other things could be uh, opportunities could be around coaching. So the leader being coached or the leader actually delivering coaching themselves. And these are all ways that empathy can be, uh, can be empathy skills can flourish. And it was interesting because at the insurance conference um, that I, I spoke at a, a little while ago, the summit, I was talking to a recruiter in the insurance industry. And he was saying that he's seeing more and more requests come through from uh, would-be employers saying, give me candidates who have shown evidence of empathy. And it's quite an interesting one because how do you put that on a CV? What do you say? I'm an empathetic candidate. Is that enough? So um, it, it was quite interesting speaking to him about that and hearing from people anecdotally as well uh, that individuals perhaps weren't receiving internal promotions that they were expecting because they were seen as perhaps narcissistic or a little bit too controlling or not very empathetic. So definitely there is there is a movement that's, that's taking place. And uh, I think even for organisations that have content that is on, that's put together to help people become more empathetic, sometimes there's a challenge in getting people, driving people towards that content. Because quite often if people are in control of their learning paths and, and training isn't mandatory, then you know, how do we get people to attend those sorts of sessions or to, to uh, follow those sorts of modules and courses? So there are quite a few challenges around building these workplaces underpinned by empathy. Uh, and that's just from the leadership side. Um, but then also we have from the side of uh, talent and, and team members, while some people are very receptive to picking up skills around listening, understanding, opening up conversations. There are others who are perhaps more reluctant to, to have those sorts of interactions. And again, with, with the sort of training that um, I often participate in, so it might be a keynote speech, it might be uh, running a workshop, quite often they're not mandatory. And so it's it, people always say it's the people that need to be here the most that, are, that haven't come. So uh, one of the things that I, I suggest is having some, 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 some sort of mandatory training or some sort of opportunity where everybody comes together. And it's really very sort of strongly encouraged that, that the whole organization or the whole team participates so that everybody gets exposure to, 
to these changes that are going on in the workplace and the, the, the need that we have today for kinder, more caring environments. And for those businesses who are feeling a little bit late to the party for whom this hasn't been a key area of focus until now, are there any key recommendations that you would have in terms of how to get started? Excellent question. And I had the wonderful opportunity just recently of running a series of roundtables with HR leaders from uh, across different industries, uh, different nationalities, different countries. And we talked about, well, what can we do to get started? And uh, I'll share a few of the recommendations now. And anyone who's interested in the white paper, I'll make sure that there's a link to that so you can have a look at those for yourselves. But um, one of the, the, the starting points is really to decide what does empathy mean for your organization or even at a broader level, what does it mean for you to have a transformational culture and transformational leadership? Is, is it about listening? Is it about kindness? Is it about uh, having more opportunities for people to, to speak up? Is it about creating psychological safety? So the first thing that you, you need to decide is, uh, is, is to come up with some common language so that everybody knows what, what you mean and everyone's on the same page. So once you have that as a foundation, the next step is really about creating awareness and making sure that everybody understands what you're going for, what your values are, what's important to you as an organization and how you're planning to change. And some of the ways you can do this are with, for example, uh, whole company keynotes. You can bring in a speaker, um, make sure that you publicize the event so that everybody understands how important it is. You can have events, you can have initiatives. It could even be having a, a company town hall and having some of your senior leaders step up and talk about why you're making these changes, what you're hoping to achieve as an organization. So there are a lot of lot of ways to create awareness. And then, of course, it's really going from awareness to uh, behavior change. And at this point, it's about making sure that your leaders, your managers have opportunities to develop their skills. So it could be around creating new learning paths with existing material that you have. It could be ongoing training or boot camps uh, things like that, opportunities for senior leaders to go on retreats so that people really feel confident uh, about this direction that you're moving in. And then, of course, surveys are incredibly helpful. So quite often companies do a lot of surveying, but then they lose the uh, confidence of their staff because they don't act on what they learn. So if you are going to survey people, then you very much have to be transparent about the results and be transparent about what you're going to do about it. But you can certainly survey your talent, make opportunities available to people to even share anonymously what they're thinking. And then it's about committing in a very transparent way to making change and um, taking that change, that drive for change from the leaders and the, the managers, also to the individuals, to the talent, and making sure that they have opportunities to learn, to grow, to converse, to share as well. So that probably sounds like a lot, but at least at the very uh, first instance, it's about defining what change means to you and where you're trying to get to. No, that's fantastic. And it's really interesting that you mentioned confidence there. I mean, from your perspective, do you find it critical that leaders are empowered with the right skills and tools to lead by example? Because I can imagine if you're only just getting started on this, it might look rather daunting. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But people do look to their leaders and managers. And 
you doubtless, Mia, you've heard that expression that people don't leave companies, they leave managers. <laughs> so it's very, very, very important for for the senior leaders and also those uh, the, the sort of mid-level managers to to be behind these initiatives, because otherwise it, it will not permeate uh, throughout the entire organization. So a lot of this is around, as you, you've said, you know, the training, the ability to, to feel really confident with this material uh, so that you can sort of competently uh, share with, with your teams. Fantastic. And you've given some great recommendations on how people can get started. And if you could deliver a key message to those people who are looking to undertake this leadership journey or are looking to make this empathetic leadership more of a priority within their organizations, what would that message be? I'd say it's very much about being open. It's about uh, learning from the people around you. And and Josh Burson, he's a HR consultant based in California, and he did a, uh, a study, I think it was the beginning of last year, 2021, and he looked at a whole array of different uh, diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives and uh, interventions and, and looked at which ones were the most effective. And he found that the act of simply listening, hearing and taking action was the most effective of all. And that often can seem like the, the scariest one, because it means that we, we as leaders need to have a growth mentality. We need to have a little bit of a thick skin if we're going to really listen and take on board what people are saying to us. But it's, it's absolutely necessary. So if we want to have this transformational culture, this idea of listening, being open, taking action, being transparent, being ready to grow, uh, again, you know, it's, it, it, it sounds like a lot, but it's really more of a mindset and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to be strong here, I'm going to be flexible, I'm going to be adaptable, and I'm really going to open up and, and listen. And I think that's, that's the starting point, because people often know what needs to be done. But I think sometimes what can happen is there's a, a bit of a disconnect uh, between leadership management um, and what, what people sort of on the ground feel that they need. So I think even even just the act of listening and being transparent will, is, is transformational for many people. When they see their organisation doing that, they, they will give you, cut you a lot of slack, quite honestly, and, um, and be ready to sort of move forward together. Wise words indeed there, Charlotte. And I must say, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. And I can imagine that a lot of people would really love to find out more on the topics that we've been discussing. Could you tell me the best way they can get in touch with you to do that? Well, if you go to my website, which is sholak.com, you can download the white paper that I referenced. And it's a really comprehensive document. There's a lot of information there, a lot of recommendations, um, and also a lot of um, insights from these senior HR leaders that I was privileged to speak to. So that's a, a, a great place to start. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. So if everyone that connects with me, I'd, you know, I'd love to have a chat with you. Tell me what you're up for next or what you gained from listening to this podcast. But LinkedIn, Shona K or Shona K.com are two great places to, to find me. That's great to know. And thanks so much, Shola, for all your insights into such a valuable and timely topic. It's been a real pleasure and I look forward to keeping up to date with all the great work you're doing in this space. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Mia. It was a really fun to be on here. Thanks so much, Shola. And for everybody listening, many thanks for joining us and I look forward to welcoming you back next time here on IB Talk. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. 
For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you.